Our homes are emotional, and here's why. You're listening to Welcome Home to the Suburbs. Designing a new home to be your family's sanctuary can feel impossible during the stress of moving. In this podcast, interior designer Jill Kalman shares practical advice, design wisdom, and lifestyle tips for anyone moving to a new home. You'll learn all about the psychology of a well-designed home and how to survive the move and thrive in your new life. Say goodbye to overwhelm and hello to a home you love to come back to every single time. Here's your host, Jill Kalman. Today I have with me Marissa from Honey Loon Hivery. She's a bit of a TikTok sensation. In fact, that's where I found her. Marissa Lada is a holistic home coach and a designer. With her background in interior design, feng shui, and holistic health and wellness, she works to improve people's health, happiness, and well-being through their relationship with their home. And as I mentioned, I caught Marissa on TikTok, and I realized that she and I had so many of the same philosophies about home, the psychology of home, what all of it means, our approach to decorating your home, and I invited her on the podcast today. So grab your cup of coffee and join us for this great conversation. Hi, Marissa. Thank you for being here with me today. I'm so excited to chat with you. Hi, Jill. Yeah, I am so happy to be here, and I am very excited to be talking about homes today. (laughs) I know, right? So I think I found you on TikTok. That's how I came across you. I'm pretty sure that's how I figured you out, and I was like... You and I just have such similar philosophies about home and home design. And so that's why I reached out and connected with you to chat and then asked you to come on the podcast. So I know you're on TikTok a lot, which is great. You do so much content on there. So anyway, why don't you start with a brief introduction kind of about a little bit about your background, what you do, and let the audience know if you want to about your TikTok account. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, my name is Marissa, and I am the owner of my business, Honey Loon Hivery. So I call myself a holistic home coach and designer. I have a background in interior design and feng shui and all these different aspects because I view our homes very holistically in all of those lenses. So like you were mentioning, actually, you found me on TikTok. And a lot of what I do with my business is I educate. As much as I love design and working with people, a lot of it is educating as well, just because I believe in empowerment. And hence, you know, my TikTok account, having so much of that content and information because I want to teach people about their spaces because I didn't grow up in the best space, at least from like a design perspective. I lived with white walls and I had, you know, hoarding in my family. So I just want to let people know that design is super accessible because I didn't at that age. Yeah. And that's where you and I are so similar. And in fact, When we were talking, you made a comment that really resonated and stuck with me, which is that you're really sensitive to your spaces. And I was like, yeah, that's me. Like I always have been like from the time I left home for one of the first times and went into a dorm room, I was like, oh my God, like cinder block walls and brown furniture and like no natural light. Like I was really affected by that. Some people might be more than others, like you and I might consider ourselves sensitive to spaces. But what I try to teach too is that whether you think you are or not, you are because your environment affects your psychology, your mood, your productivity, like your organization skills, like so much is there. So that just really resonated with me. So I wanted to just mention that. But yeah, let's so let's talk about that a little bit that, you know, we all really are sensitive to our spaces, whether you're like, you and I, and we acknowledge that, 
or you haven't really thought about that and you don't necessarily think you are, we are, right? Absolutely. And yeah, like you were mentioning, I mean, you and I might be highly sensitive to our spaces. I can look at like how I am very sensitive just based on like who I am, but we all are impacted and affected by our spaces and our homes. And this stems from just like our evolution as human beings. You know, back when we weren't in nice sheltered houses, we had to be very aware of our environments because of threats and of danger. So we were constantly and still are evolutionarily picking up little bits of information from from our spaces subconsciously. And that is affecting us in so many different ways from, you know, our mental health, from us feeling stressed to even like not sleeping well, to higher blood pressure, to our moods. There's so many ways in which our spaces are impacting us on those deeper levels. So important. So many conversations I have on this podcast, especially as it relates to the psychology of home, go back to how our, we are programmed primitively. And that's not been erased. Like as far as we've come with technology and all kinds of stuff, there's like some primitive coding within us that I find that really resonates throughout a lot of this. And like, I think I mentioned to you, I did an episode on what was called neuroarchitecture, and it has to do with how the structure even of our spaces affects us and affects the neurological paths in our brain. But we were talking about curved furniture versus straight line angled furniture. And the expert who I had on was commenting how, you know, we're very attracted to curves and that, that line, because if we go back to our primitive time, things with angles and points were threatening. Mm-hmm. And so we find things with curves soothing. And I was giving this example because I bought this um, curved chair for my family room during COVID. I, I replaced another chair I had in the family room with this round chair. And like everybody, whether it's family or just like we're having people over, everyone is like, oh, that chair. Everyone gravitates to it. Everyone wants to sit in it. It's just really funny. So it does really go back to like, you know, how we're coded. It does. And your example, actually, I love because I, I do like to look at spaces in all these different ways from our evolution and psychology to even like feng shui, since I look at the world or our homes in that lens as well. And it's so like, it's the same thing, just as you're saying, with you know, evolutionarily, we didn't like sharp lines because or sharp points because those were threatening. I mean, thinking about like arrows and jabbing yourself and all of that. In feng shui, very sharp points, there's a term called flying arrows, and it actually is not good for our energy to have those things in our home. So it's just interesting how all of these different lenses, we can look at our space, they're telling us the same thing. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like that's the common denominator. And I find it really fascinating. I really do. I also think another point that's great to bring up is that you know, when we spoke and you just touched on it briefly was that you grew up in an environment that wasn't conducive. You know, there was hoarding and there was like, there wasn't a lot of beauty around you, it sounded like. And that actually made you sort of behave in the opposite, meaning you were going to make sure that you didn't have spaces like that for yourself, right? Because it kind of showed you what that did to you by having that sort of, let's call it a negative environment for lack of a better term at the moment. Right. And so, and I think that's interesting too, because I was contrasting that with how I grew up with a mom and a grandmother. Well, my grandmother like didn't have very much money, but any space she had, she would sew 
or find things at a vintage sale, right? And make her space really, really beautiful. And my mom too, like she would go to garage sales, whatever. And then her hobby became becoming in the antique business. So I grew up with a lot of like art and antiques and beautiful things around me. Right. And Uh so for me too, and so that I realized the importance of it that way. So you can realize it kind of either way. And then for me, what really put it in perspective was when I did move out on my own and I saw that room that was like a dorm room, right? Or it could be a first apartment. It could be like the ugliest space you've seen. You can take it. Like my philosophy has always been, I don't care if it's a tiny amount of square footage and you have no budget, you can make it yours and make it pretty. Like I had you know, no budget in college and I bought the sheets that I liked the print of and had my grandmother sew it into a comforter cover, you know, Mm -hmm. so that I had, and I put, you know, posters and prints all over that cinder block wall. So I didn't have to see the cinder block, you know, there's, so from very little, you can make it nice for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And that's something that I also have that same philosophy and belief because I, you know, growing up, like you had mentioned, um, and like I had said, my parents just didn't do much to our space. Like we had the same furniture from when they lived in their first apartment. So Mm -hmm. it was a real push for me when I moved out, but you know, being on your own and yeah, your first apartment or a college dorm room, you don't have the cash to necessarily, or you think you don't. So you have to be creative. And that's what I love about design as well, is that you can have a really nice space, but you don't have to spend a lot. And that's a huge misconception. I find in the design industry, just based on working in there is like, oh, people think I have to spend $10,000 on a sofa or, you know, have to spend all of this money and you can do a lot of creative things like you're, you know, reupholstering your furniture or getting stuff off of Facebook Marketplace or Craigslist, you know, thrifting, you know, doing DIY crafts. If you're a crafty person, like home improvement stuff, there are so many ways in which we can just have a nicer space that don't have to cost us, you know, an arm and a leg. Right, which we're going to get into that too in a minute. That's our next next thing. So before we head over there, let's just say as far as environment affecting you, are there any other comments you want to make on that as far as because what I've noticed is people will buy a home coming from the city, they buy a suburban home, so that's typically a lot more square footage. And so after that kind of honeymoon phase is over that I call it, where the excitement of getting the house and the yard and all that space and it's beautiful and all that, they come in and they're like, oh my God, like, how will I ever furnish all these rooms? I probably never will. And they live with like a half empty house and that really doesn't serve them either. And so I always say it's so important, you know, to have a plan and to accomplish it because people tend to put the furnishings and the, and some of the other you know, decor items last on the list, but those are the things that really light up your house and make it a house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I agree with that. And I mean, I grew up in the suburbs, so I am aware of those builder spec homes that are just so big. And a lot of people and I actually don't, from my experience, didn't put a lot of furniture or they didn't know how to work with the spaces that they had. That's how your space can really affect you and your energy too. So a lot of people that I 
saw that lived in these huge homes. And, you know, if they move from the city where they had a small apartment and then they're like, how do I fill this space? They'll either just like fill it with stuff and then you have a clutter problem or they will put, you know, the basic furniture in like, okay, yeah, we need a living room set and this, but it's understanding how to work with the spaces that we have. So for example, if you have, you know, a great room, which is very common in a lot of builder spec homes that are huge and they're double ceiling and they just like seem like ballrooms, getting furniture that's appropriate to that size and that scale is going to be way more helpful because, you know, you're still getting your sofa, you're still getting your coffee table, but getting things that visually look bigger. So not getting the thin legs and the tiny profiles that you might have had in your apartment because you were working with that tiny space. So you wanted things to, you know, feel more expansive, but now you have this huge space. So you want to help feel like to fill that space with furniture that works rather than just filling it up with excess stuff. So it's nice to have that game plan. That's an important point because spaces can feel vast. And in fact, I helped a client once I was doing most of her home, but she had, I guess you'd call it a great room. It was their living room. It had really, and it was beautiful. It was beautiful, natural lighting, which I love. Lots of sunshine coming in, cathedral ceiling, nice size square footage, architecturally really pretty. But every piece of furniture you put in the room, it felt dwarfed. And so it became like uninviting. You didn't gravitate to go in there because it seemed like there was more airspace around you. Mm-hmm. As weird as that sounds like it, you just felt a little lost, let's call it. So she was like, you know, I never use this room. So I said, here's the thing. When I'm done working with you, I want it to be your favorite room in the house. And she was like, okay, let's see what happens. So One of the things we did there was we added, the walls were just all sheetrocked all the way around. We added like a beautiful paneling that went about two thirds of the way up the wall. Mm. And something about that, it just stopped your eye at a certain point. It added kind of a warmth. You know, we put in drapery panels on the French doors. We put in nice, soft, comfortable furnishings with colors that she liked. We added artwork. We, You know, so the whole room's done. And it was funny because a couple months after we finished that phase, She called me and she's like, you don't get it. I sit in this room all the time. It's now like where the Christmas tree goes. And when I have, she, she entertained a lot. Like she'd have, you know, book club over and people over. She's like, that's the room that we all go to. And I was like, I'm so glad because I don't want a room in your house that you don't go to. So rooms should feel like you want to, I always say like, you want to feel like you're gravitating, like you want to be in there, but if they're too empty or they're vast or they're too cluttered, like you described it makes it so you don't want to go in there and you don't. And then that actually affects you because you, you you have a place where you can't function and that's not good for you. you yeah, know? exactly. And with, I, I'm such on that belief too. Like, I mean, I'm a homebody, so that like, I Me want too. to <laughs> be nice in my space and some people aren't, but like, I mean, the actuality is we spend 90% of our lives in built spaces. And a lot of that time is at home, especially more so now. So we want to have our spaces actually working with us instead of against us, because think about all the things you have to do in your home. I mean, especially now we're working from home, we're cooking, we're playing games with our kids, we're, you know, sleeping and all of this stuff. So if we're not functioning the best in our homes, it's impacting so many different different areas of our life. And I love how, you know, your client that you're talking about, that's her favorite space now, because I truly believe that all of our spaces should function for us rather than against us. And if you don't have a space you love to be in, 
at least I think is like, well, what's the point kind of, I mean, I want to be able to utilize every aspect of my home and love every space rather than be like, oh, this is our, this is our sad reject guest room that we don't love or this, you know, space right. we're never in. So yeah, I love that that's her favorite space now. Yeah. So it, you know, it is, it's important. So yeah, just, just to sign off on that point is just that if you think you're not sensitive to your spaces, I promise that you are. So even though, Mm -hmm. you know, Marissa and I are like, we know we are (laughs) and we're homebodies, you are sensitive because I would even argue. And I did argue the point that even before COVID, when we weren't home very much, we're traveling, right? We're at work a million hours a week. We're running around with the kids. We're doing errands. We have a lot of stress. I really felt like coming home and having all the rooms furnished was equally as important then because that was like the time to gain balance, the time to have your house kind of give you a warm hug and relieve the stress. So I think in both scenarios, whether we're home all the time or we're busy all the time and then coming home, it needs to be there to support us. It's kind of like, you know, home base. Yeah. So you touched on it a little and we'll go a little further because I've even seen on your TikTok, you do a little bit of this and you talk a lot about how to save money while decorating and, you know, inexpensive ways to update your home. So I think you mentioned a few of them. And just Mm -hmm. if you want to elaborate a little bit on that, because I'm all about that too, like mixing highs and lows. If you find something great at home goods and you love it, get it. Like I have stuff from home goods in my house. People don't even know is from home goods. They just assume it's not because I'm a designer and I'm like, you know, I got that at home goods or I got that at Target. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and that's actually, yeah, a big misconception, like I mentioned in the design industry or to think like to have a, a well-designed space is that you have to spend all of this money. I do want to say, I mean, you're spending some money you're, but it's not the amount that people think and you can do yeah. a lot of things for less. So I like to help people out in just like all of those ways, whether you're a crafty person, which I, you know, I actually love Ikea for more of their craft DIYs, like their um, bookcases and their furniture that's pretty raw. I've seen some amazing things done with those where you wouldn't even think that it was, you know, a $100 dresser from Ikea. So yeah, me too. You can find these videos if anyone's interested and they're actually pretty cool what you can do. They, they are. So that's like something of updating, you know, the hardware or, and that's something too, if you find a, a thrifted piece or if you have one and you're just kind of tired, you're looking for a change. If you are a crafty person, like restain, paint it, switch out the hardware, switch out the legs, and it can totally change that furniture piece. Other, you know, saving tips I have, like I mentioned earlier, is going off Facebook Marketplace or, you know, thrifting again because you can actually find really great pieces and like good quality pieces for less. And this is something that I have an issue with is like today we're in a very like trendy kind of fast fashion. And I see this a lot in design too, where we're all focused on trends and getting rid of something and just buying the next thing and being like an environmentalist as well. This is a big issue for me because it's like, wow, this is a really good piece. Why are we throwing it out? Or, oh, we're buying this new piece, but it's cheap and it's going to break in two years. So I love the whole thrifting and getting something cheap off Facebook Marketplace because you're just prolonging the life of that piece. Typically, they're built better so you can actually you know, have it in your space for a long time. So I always, and that's 
a lot of what I did for my apartment that I lived in at one time is I just went off Facebook Marketplace and was getting things because I had a good plan, like we were talking about earlier, of knowing how to achieve this. Sometimes people, when they go to thrift stores or want to do it themselves, it is overwhelming because it's like, where do I begin? I'm like seeing all these things in a thrift store. I don't know how to put things together in a cohesive way. So like, kind of going back to what you're saying, having a game plan is huge when you're doing things for a bit less or working with a designer. (laughs) Yeah, no, either way, or maybe it's a combination of the two. You know, if you get the right designer and they're there to help kind of collaborate with you and guide you and make you feel like, because what I like to do is I really like to make people feel like they can do it on their own, Mm -hmm. right? And educate and say, you can trust yourself. You do have permission. People seem to think like there are a lot of rules. And people do think, you know, on this topic that they just assume it's hugely expensive. Now, like you said, you have to make an investment. Things cost money. But I think when you tell yourself, and I just did a post about this today, like when your mind says, oh, it's too expensive and it just makes you retract and then you do nothing, Uh you don't have to do that. You can make a plan to get there. Just the same way you made a plan to buy that house or do anything else major in your life that you do that or that you spend money on, right? Like it's funny, people will spend a lot of money on a vacation. They'll do a lot of research, right? About where they're going, what the airfare is, what the hotels are, what the, but it's so many people I talk to and they're like, I don't even know what a sofa costs. I'm like, well, we can find that out pretty easily. Like they just seem to think like, well, I'm just not going to even find that out. And it's like, no, if you find that out, that's actually going to help you. So I try to do the same thing. So yeah, there are lots of ways. And I, you know, when I had my first apartment, when I left the dorm room scenario and had my first apartment, I would go to yard sales and buy, like I needed a set of kitchen chairs. And I bought this vintage set that was really cool. I spray painted it white. And then I went to Joanne's Fabrics. I got fabric and I staple gun the seats. And I had this whole cool new set of chairs for like no money, you know? So you just have to be a little bit um, innovative and resourceful and, you know, grab some stuff along the way. Like you were mentioning just kind of how a lot of us don't know what things cost or once we get it in our head that, oh, this is too expensive or it's unattainable, we don't do anything. And I view it as like, we should be prioritizing our space and like, you know, if you're doing the research for a vacation, like, I think that's where getting back to understanding how our spaces are impacting us, whether we are an extrovert and go out or we're a homebody, like our spaces impact us. So understanding that hopefully we will be prioritizing our spaces more and looking for those ways. Um, one last like tip I want to mention too, cause like, yes, well, it, you do have to put in some money. Um, one of the things that I I did a lot um, just because I got very tired and bored of my spaces, but also I was like, I don't want to, you know, spend money on like all new decor or something like that. I would just move things around in my apartment because, you know, one, just changing out your layout or redoing a decor or a vignette on your bookcase or tabletop can change your space up a lot without you actually having to spend money. Um, And it also helps in too with feng shui, just changing up the energy and moving that around through your space. So that's like a total freebie that anyone can do is just like play around and switch out, you know, your layouts and things like that. You know what? That's such an important tip because I'm a big fan of doing that. Re- I, my mother will laugh if she hears this episode because growing up, she was always rearranging the furniture. And who do you think was the sidekick helping me? She'd be <laughs> like, let's just move this sofa today. But even that, or like sometimes even just getting a new um, pair of throw pillows changes the mm-hmm. whole look of the sofa in a room. So that's a great tip 
for people. Like sometimes just look at what you have in a new light. Um, yes. it's funny sometimes when you clear off, like, let's say you have a chest that's got stuff on it. It's sometimes when you clear it off and you just stand back and look at it. You think of a whole new way to maybe accessorize or decorate it. And you're like, Oh, I could do this, you know, or you empty part of a room and you kind of look at the room a whole new way and be like, we could lay out the room like this. Absolutely. Yeah. Just seeing our things that we have in a new light and perspective and being like, how can I use this in a new way is such a great tip. Yeah, I think that's an awesome, awesome thing. My accessory course has finally launched. It is here. So to grab it, you can go to my website and click on course. Or if you go to my Instagram page, click the link in bio. That's right. I'm bringing it to you because over the last several years, it has been one of the top requested things that I get asked. And it just so happens it's what I'm really passionate about and what I've always loved to do. I always felt like your home wasn't fully dressed until I brought in that last layer and I loved doing it and I love styling for my photo shoots and most of the time I bring in all the accessories and get everything styled for a photo shoot. Guess what? The client wants to keep it all. Well, I'm going to show you my secrets, my tips, my tricks. It's going to be in a really simple video course broken up into modules that are going to be easy for you to get resources, solutions, and really quick wins at an affordable price, all with direction from me. So you can have your home looking like those sitting in a magazine or how I set them up for photo shoots really easily. I'm super excited. So if you're scratching your head about what to put on your coffee table, what to put on your mantle, how to arrange it, what to put in your bookcases, you're going to want to go click that link in bio and get this course at a very affordable price. I hope to see you there. Okay, so let's now get into our energy, how that affects decorating at our homes, because you are a feng shui and green design um, certified designer. Uh-huh. So I want to take some time to talk about energy in the home, as well as um, feng shui and green design, and kind of explain it to the audience as far as, you know, what it means, how it's defined, and then what the benefits are of considering that, you know, when you're designing your home. Yeah, absolutely. So I am a feng shui consultant, so I am certified in the form school. And I think there's, this is a other thing I feel like I have to, you know, not have to, but I want to educate people on because there's a lot of misconceptions about feng shui and also green design. So yes, with feng shui, at least I hear like, what is that? Is that woo? Or yeah. again, it's kind of like the whole, oh, I need to be super rich because like, you know, you hear about celebrities having their homes feng shui and it seems like it's such this like elitist way. And I'm like, no, I mean, actually feng shui stems from, well, I'll, I'll nerd out a bit. So feng shui actually is over 2,500 years old and it stems from or originates in China. And it started with actually, like villages and very impoverished rural towns that utilized feng shui. So its origins are, you know, very basic and focused a lot on incorporating nature because feng shui stems from Taoism. And Taoism is a philosophy and as well as a religion 
in China, and it focuses on finding balance and harmony within oneself through nature. So mm-hmm. with feng shui, it's how to find harmony and balance through our spaces and to find that within ourselves through our spaces, through the orientation of our furniture, through the elements, through color, through our decor pieces, through layout, all of these things, like we we're mentioning even earlier, impact us on these deep levels. So this is yeah. where I kind of have that holistic perspective where I see things from like more of a psychology perspective as well as the energy with feng shui. So yeah, that's a bit on, on feng shui. So like our energy, like we are you know, energetic beings. I also kind of have a spiritual background as well, or like a, a mm-hmm. very strong spiritual practice. So I infuse that a lot in just, you know, my work with spaces too, because we are all energetic beings. Like our energy is our moods. It's, you know, how we operate in our spaces it is everything. So with feng shui, feng shui deals with qi, which is the Chinese word for energy. So mm-hmm. um, really, it's just like, it's another way to look at our spaces. I like it because it does focus on more of like the subtle, unconscious kind of psychological perspectives of of our spaces, I think, because looking at it through a feng shui perspective and through a psychological perspective, I, again, see the similarities and I just find it really fascinating. So there's a lot with feng shui, just like I mentioned, it's over 2,500 years old. There's many different schools. So there's a lot to cover with that. So um, I'm going to keep it simple. But if you have any specific questions, I'd love to talk about them. Yeah, no, I mean, it's great because I'm not, you know, that isn't a part of I wasn't trained in that at all. I only know a little bit about it from talking to other people. So just to give the audience a couple examples like furniture placement or give an example of what would be feng shui to do in a room versus maybe not. Yes, that is great. Actually, I did a recent TikTok actually about this for your bedroom. So that's a great example since we all have bedrooms. So things that would be good and not good in a bedroom, according to feng shui, is one, the orientation of your bed. So in feng shui, our energy can escape us a lot at night and it escapes through either our feet or our heads. Mm -hmm. So knowing where to place your bed is important because you don't want that to escape. Like at the point of us sleeping is to restore not only our physical bodies, but our energetic bodies when we're sleeping. So mm-hmm. what would be not great feng shui, I will say, is having, and you might have heard this one a lot if you've even just like have some knowledge of feng shui is like having your bed directly in front of your door to your bedroom. Because mm-hmm you know, we're, as we're sleeping, our energy is just a little more susceptible and it can actually exit out through that door, especially if we're in line in that pathway. Okay. Feng shui, actually, another fun fact, it comes from the Chinese words of wind and water and feng shui really just boils down to like the flow of energy in our spaces. So thinking Mm -hmm. about how wind and water move throughout our spaces, that can give us a better understanding to like how to place things in our space. So having your bed right across from your door, you can think about the flow of energy just like exiting your room. 
So Got it. moving your bed, not to be directly in front of that path is good. Not having the head of your board in front of a window because windows and doors, just thinking about how we can physically exit out of them, our energy can also exit out of them. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. not placing your you know bed in front of a window or a door or having that, you know, your head right by there is important. Other things with bedroom design, it's with feng shui, it's nice to have your bed in the center of the room because there's so much you can do with feng shui. Actually, you can bring and call in certain energies. So this is a feng shui tip I use a lot for people that want to attract in a relationship or a partner is to have your bed in the center of your room and to have two nightstands. Mm -hmm. A lot of feng shui deals with symbolism and a lot of interpret, not interpretations, but yeah, I guess I would say symbolism. So having two nightstands is important to call in a relationship because if you only have one nightstand and if your bed's like pushed against the wall, you're not really calling that in. You're kind of more focused on like, this is my bedroom, this is my space. And you want to have a nightstand for that person you're wanting to call in. Like thinking about if you already are in a relationship and you're sleeping, you know, in the same bed, you have your nightstand and then your partner has one. That's where you can place, you know, your personal items, like your yeah. you know, reading book or something Which like that. Which we all do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if you're wanting to call in that energy, you know, moving your bed to the center and actually like giving that person that you're wanting to call in a physical spot mm-hmm. in your house is important. Otherwise, you're energetically not being open to that. So that's like another tip for the bedrooms if you're specifically wanting to call in a specific interesting. But like a lot of times we find in kids rooms, a lot of times, oftentimes you have to put the bed against the wall and then they will just have one night table depending on the room, but that's okay because it's just one person living in that room. Right. So that wouldn't be considered bad energy because it's just one person. Yeah. And with the beds tucked in the corners, especially like you're mentioning in kids rooms, it is a little different because as you know, we're children, we're developing and we're still kind of learning about the world per se. And beds tucked in corners for children offer a lot of safety and security. It's nice to have like I think of, you know, my childhood and I was always like in the nooks and the crannies and just like under the yeah. staircase <laughs> playing. And like, I felt like really safe and protected in those spaces. So having yeah. a kid's bed tucked in the corner is good for feng shui because it helps them feel more protected and safe and secure when they sleep. Yeah. It's like a cocoon. It's like the feeling of the womb, right? I mean, again, we go back to primitive. I'm telling you, we don't realize (laughs) that there's a lot of primitive coding in all of us and you got to recognize it. I see it all the time come up. So it's really cool. Yeah, Marissa. So let's talk now about understanding your energy and then how that affects that. And then I'm sure feng shui ties into that as far as, you know, giving off all that good energy, but how do we identify or, or understand our own personal energy in our home? Yeah, so this is why I work personally with clients is because we all have our own unique energies, just like we all have a unique thumbprint and we look different. Our energy is going to be very different. Mm. While, you know, mentioning feng shui, there are some, you know, common you know, cures and layouts that are overall pretty good to have. If we really want to access like the benefits of having a very energetic sound home with our own energy, we have to understand, yeah, what our own energy is and what that looks like for our homes. 
one way that we can think about this outside of the energetic kind of realm, if you will, is, you know, everyone has a different design style. So we're not all going to love mid-century modern. Some of us may have a preference towards traditional design or, you know, the more rustic design. So, you know, understanding that we already have different preferences for our spaces, but in terms of energy specifically, and more so with feng shui, it's understanding what our energy is and what our element is. So in feng shui, since it is incorporating a lot of nature, it's understanding one of the main principles, which is the five elements. So understanding, like we all carry these five elements within us. So these elements are water, wood, earth, metal, and fire. Mm. So we all have these within us, but we probably have something that is, you know, more dominant. dominant. Yeah. yeah. And something that we don't have a lot of. So this is going to be helpful in understanding what your home needs. So for example, the element of fire is very bold. It's expressive. It's expansive. I mean, thinking about like a literal fire, how it makes you feel warm and cozy, mm. but it's also very magnetic to look at, like just staring yeah. at it, I can get lost. So what that means in terms of our energy or how we can incorporate that into our space. So each one of the elements has colors that are associated with it, has objects, has materials, has even line types that are associated with it. So for example, if you you have a lot of the fire element within you, you can see that being like, I like really bold and vivid colors, or I like, you know, the warmer tones of colors. I like, you know, crazy patterns, like right. thinking about maximalist design that's really quirky and eclectic, it has a lot of fire energy where, you know, on the other hand, you may be someone with a lot of earth energy where you may prefer more natural colors, more calmer to the eye, a lot of natural materials in your Yeah, space. very organic maybe. Exactly. Yeah. So understanding, yeah, your your energy and like what element you have the most of. And there's, you know, quizzes you can take. I personally like to work with people because again, we all have these within us, but what's the most and what's the least. So understanding that we can incorporate those aspects into our space. That's really cool. I like that a lot. And then would it also apply, like, I feel like in some rooms, you might want to have more fire for productivity, like let's say an office or an exercise room, but maybe your bedroom should be more, I don't know, earthy or whatever for calmness. Or if your overall energy is fire, you shouldn't downplay it either. I mean, I don't know. I'm just curious, but I think that could be interesting too. Yeah, like, it, it actually is. Um, <laughs> you pretty much nailed it. Like certain areas have more yang energy. So yang is the more active, the more bold, energetic. So like you're saying a home office or a workout room, you want to feel more stimulated in your environment versus somewhere where it has more yin, where you're wanting to feel you know more restful and relaxed like a bedroom, you can incorporate these elements into those spaces specifically. I will say overall, like you, if you are resonating or have a lot of a certain element within you, you'll want that like sprinkled throughout your space, but it doesn't have to be in the intensity of like, for example, again, if you're a fire element or have a lot of that, like your living room may be like super bold with the red colors and the vibrant wallpaper and all of that. But like in your bedroom, you may not want that because you want to restore your energy while you're sleeping. So you can have smaller 
aspects of that element, like for example, candles, since that is a literal representation of the fire element, like having candles placed in, or you know, maybe doing a small pillow splash of color. Yeah. Yeah. Versus like the whole room. So yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that's cool. I think we should take into account like what our energy is and then if we look at the function of the space, what does that energy need to be to function within there? I think that's really kind of a cool way to look at it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We'll go next to green design. And I know the term green gets thrown around a lot. It's misnomered a lot on products. You know, something that's labeled green might not really be. We've had that discussion. In fact, there's an episode that'll be coming up about a non-toxic home where there's an expert I brought on. We talk a lot about that. But as far as green design... Tell us a little bit about that, what it entails, what are good things to look for if you're somebody who who wants to maybe try to go down that path in their home. Yep. Yeah. And this is another huge misconception because when a lot of people think of green homes, they think of, you know, green technology. So like solar panels and, you know, the LED lights and things like that, more about mm-hmm. like the energy of our homes mm-hmm. versus other ways in which we can just be more sustainable and more eco-friendly and better for the planet. So yeah, I like to focus on those things because yeah, we may not all be able to afford solar panels and they might not even be the best for our area, depending on where we live. I'm from Seattle. Solar panels like aren't great eight months out of the year. So um, how can we be sustainable and eco-friendly in other ways? And a lot of it, I find is through the materials and what we're bringing into our homes rather than how our homes are generating electricity. So Mm -hmm. ways that anyone can do that are, yeah, what products are we bringing in and not just our furniture, but I'll touch on that. So if you are wanting to be more sustainable and conscious with your furniture choices, you can look for wood that is FCS certified. So that is a green label Mm -hmm. that actually will, you know, certify that the wood is sustainably sourced and it's, you know, consciously harvested rather than clear cutting a whole forest to the ground. So you can look for wood furniture that has that label. You do a lot of natural furniture or natural fabrics. I love linen and I think that's great. So you can look for things like that or even looking at the chemicals you're bringing into your home. As much as I say, you know, like, yes, when we think of our spaces, we're thinking about our furniture and our wall paints and all of the design and decor elements. It's also the the lifestyle and like the products we're bringing in that are you know, always, you know, we're consuming them. So what are our cleaning products? Are we using a bleach that is, you know, leaking out into our waterways? Or can we use a more sustainable and eco-safe cleaning product? Or Mm -hmm. what is, you know, in our kitchens and things like that. So being eco-friendly with our spaces can look you know, in so many different ways, you know, touching on the materials again, though, looking for things like the low tox is a really great start. Things that don't give off all those harmful off gassings. Low VOCs and stuff. Is it considered green or sustainable to buy from thrift consignment or antique because you're taking something that already exists? Yeah, I love actually doing that. I think because every time we're getting something new, we're like 
it's not just, oh, there's this new product, but like all of the materials, all of the energy that is going into creating that, as well as the transportation costs that are involved. A lot of stuff is made in China. So thinking about all of the emissions that are getting created to, you know, transport that item that you bought online to your doorstep. That is why I like thrifting for sustainability. And also, I just have to say, because like, I think there is another misconception about like the black and white thinking with sustainability. There's a whole bunch mm. of gray when we're talking about green because sure. there's just there's so many different levels in which, you know, we can be more sustainable. So yeah. um, I actually appreciate that because you can find something that is more attainable for you to achieve. Like, okay, yeah, I might do the VOC paint or the low VOC painting versus, you know, solar panels or things like that. Yeah. Or like I said, if you find something thrifted and you're going to reupholster it, you get to pick like an organic fabric. I think you bring up a good point about just something new, all the various things it has to go through to get to our door. And I guess that probably leaves a pretty big chemical footprint when you just think of, right, from the manufacturing to the material to the transportation. So that I never really thought about it that way until you said it that way. I was like, "Mm, that's probably a pretty big chemical footprint for one item. Yeah. Again, with the misconceptions where it is kind of a gray area is people normally think of eco-friendly like materials with bamboo flooring because it's a renewable resource. It's not, you know, a hardwood tree that takes 100 years to grow. But then you have to factor in like, okay, bamboo doesn't grow in the U.S. We're getting it from China and thinking Mm -hmm. about the shipping costs. So, Mm -hmm. again, it's like all of these gray areas and these factors to think about when we're talking about green design. So, well, yeah, because there was even there was some bamboo flooring years ago that got recalled because the bamboo was fine but to make it into the plank flooring the chemicals that were used mm. were being emitted and there was a recall because they were dangerous to use so again it's like you got to really do your research i think and also find we talk a lot about like what your threshold is in your home right so because it's hard to find anything that's completely chemical free these days yes. in all honesty so You can find the lowest for yourself or the lowest that you can tolerate. But yeah, even so, even a thing like bamboo flooring, you know, a certain one, you know, not all of it, but it got recalled because, yeah, the bamboo wasn't bad, but the way they had to assemble it or manufacture it used a chemical that they realized was, you know, being emitted in your home once you put the flooring in and it was a problem. So, yeah, you have to be careful of all that stuff, you know? Yeah. And and like you're saying, there's a bunch of different factors. It is sometimes doing your own research. But I, I say just like even with design, it's very empowering, at least for me to be educated on this stuff, because I feel better when I'm making these choices for my home being like, I am doing something that's better for my health and the health of the planet. And even, you know, (laughs) if I'm doing something that's thrifted, I'm saving money that way. So there's like so many pros to putting in a little bit and like knowledge is power too. Well, yeah. And it's, you know what, it's good to think about it because, you know, it could be a whole other episode, but you know, with cancer on the rise and other illnesses on the rise that they believe could be environmental, certain allergies and stuff, we have to kind of look at what is in our environment and are those chemicals contributing or not? And and the ones that are, how can we kind of mitigate them? You know? Yeah. So it's all important because there, you know, a lot of different cancers are on the rise and it's probably for multiple reasons, but chemicals I'm sure is one of them. So yeah. You know, anyway, I'm not a doctor. I just play one on a podcast. No, <laughs> um, but no, it, it is good to consider our health too. So 
This has been awesome. And I'd love to close the show by having you, if you have any last quick tips or advice that you want to leave, you've left a lot. So if not, it's fine. But (laughs) any other thing that comes to mind? And then let's tell listeners where to find you. If you have a website, I mentioned your TikTok platform. Mm -hmm. So you can definitely, I encourage people to follow you there because Marissa is, is on there a lot with like a lot of great daily tips to help you out. And then if you have Instagram or Facebook, so I'll let you take it away with that, Marissa. Yeah, well, thank you. Yeah, I did just talk about a lot of different aspects of homes, which I all love. I would say one last tip is just to like, have fun with it. I know that designing spaces can be really overwhelming because of all of the things that go into a space, not knowing where to start. But it can be a really rewarding process and really fun. And yeah, I just want to share that tip is like the mindset that you bring into designing your space or doing something with your space. Yeah. And then, yeah, to find me, I do have a website. So like I said, in the start of this podcast, my business name is Honey Loon Hivery. So I will, you know, L-U-N-E is the loon part. And then Hivery, it's a, that could be a whole other podcast because it's a very unique name and there's a lot of meaning behind it. But that is my website as well as all of my handles for social media. So like we mentioned, the TikTok, Um, I do have an Instagram as well as a Facebook page. So I like to share different education and information on all of those platforms because all of those platforms have different ways in which people like receive that information. So feel free to check out all of them and find, you know, one, if not all that works for you and how you like to receive information. Cause I love sharing tips on pretty much everything we talked about today. Like yeah. a big advocate about educating and empowering people with their spaces and whatever way you gravitate towards, whether that be, I want a more sustainable space. I want an energetic space. I want to understand the psychology of my space. I want to, you know, do something on a budget. Like I love spaces so much and I love to help people. So that's, Me too. you know, my spiel. <laughs> Yes. No, that's why we're a lot of like, and we put all those platforms you mentioned, all of it will be listed in the show notes and linkable. So for anybody listening, if you're driving in your car, taking a run, whatever you're doing, and you couldn't catch that, it's all in the show notes and you just click on it. So we do that for you, Marissa. It'll all be there. And we hope to have people come visit you on your various platforms and be entertained as well. Right. So (laughs) it's all, it's all good stuff. I do the same and, and it's fun as it should be. It is. Yeah. And I just want to say too, like, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I love talking, you know, clearly about homes, but also with someone who loves homes as much as I do. So it was great. (laughs) No, it's great. I'm glad we connected. I thank you for your time today. And I look forward to connecting soon. Thanks so much. You're so welcome. Have a great day. Talk to you soon. All right. Bye. And as always, you're going to want to always head over to jillcalmaninteriors.com. I've got a wonderful new freebie for you called the Room Planner. And most of the time that you're not getting your house decorated, it's because you don't have a plan in place. This helps you cover it all and get it in motion so you can accomplish your home design goals. Go grab it now. It's totally free. And my course is also still available on the website along with so much more. I look forward to seeing you there. Thanks for listening to this episode of Welcome Home to the Suburbs. Head over to jillcalmaninteriors.com to learn more about designing a beautiful new home while minimizing the stress of moving. See you back here next week.